We tell the stories of those who are missing and their families. Everyone has a story. Some have resolutions, some don't. Regardless, everyone's story deserves to be told. This is If I Go Missing. I am your host, Megan, along with my co-host, Lynn. Together, we are going to be telling you the stories of missing people from around the world. And sometimes we even have their families on as guests for our show. We want to give the families a place to talk and have their story be heard. This is If I Go Missing. Hi everyone, I'm Megan, your host, along with... Hi, I'm Lynn, your co-host. Today we're going to tell you about something that is every mom's worst nightmare. In July of 2007, Ashley Summers was just 14 years old when she got into an argument with her mother and went missing. Ashley's still missing today. Ashley Summers was known as a vibrant and social young teenage girl. She was also extremely headstrong. She had run away before, often to stay with other relatives. This time though, Summers went to her great uncle's place, but from there, she seems to have vanished into thin air. Ashley and her mom, Jennifer, had gotten in such a big argument that summer because Ashley, who was just 14 years old at the time, was dating an older boy named Gene. One of Ashley's family members said in an interview that the pair had met in the neighborhood she lived in. Ashley had tried to keep the relationship a secret from her mother, but as moms always do, she found out. In an investigation discovery interview for the show disappeared, Ashley's mom says that when she told Ashley she didn't approve of the relationship because she thought that her daughter was too young to be dating, it only seemed to intensify the feelings that her daughter had for Jean. Soon, Jennifer says that the disagreement between her daughter dating takes a very unexpected turn. Ashley had begun to steal money from her mother and her mom says that she suspects in the past Ashley might have taken a little bit here and there, but she never really said anything. But this time, she had taken everything. Okay. That definitely raises suspicion. Mm-hmm. I mean, taking a little bit here or there is one thing. It's bad enough. Yeah. Ashley, as I mentioned earlier, was a little headstrong, and so she decided to go get a red heart tattoo with his name, Gene, emblazoned in a black banner through its center on her upper right arm. Now, I don't know about Ohio, but who the heck tattoos a 14-year-old? Down here in Georgia, it's illegal. I know. I mean, and not only that, it's got to be illegal everywhere, just because... She's 14. She's like beyond a minor. Yeah. Honey, 16 is bad enough. She is one but, year past being a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I, mm, I don't think that was a legal tattoo. Jennifer knows she has to do something at this point. So she goes across town to see her own mom, Linda, and it's decided that Ashley's going to spend some time over there with her. It was the summer, so it wouldn't affect school and everything would be okay. Jennifer also had another motive for wanting to move Ashley across town for a little while. She thought it would help get her away from Jean. Ashley moved in with her grandmother for a little while and then eventually would go spend some time with her uncle Kevin because, you know, a lot of her cousins were there and her family says that her uncle just doted on her and they always had a great relationship. So it would make sense that she would go see him a lot. A lot of times if she stayed somewhere, it was going to be there. 
Even though Ashley was bouncing from relative to relative, it is said that she still kept in frequent contact with her mother. The two had always been close and just because she was not living at her mother's right now didn't mean that she wasn't going to keep in contact with her regularly. Right before she turned 14, she went to see one of her aunts that was very, very close to her. Her name was Deborah Summers. Deborah had just moved to an apartment in the suburbs of Cleveland and Ashley had come to ask if she could move in with her. And of course, Deborah says yes, but despite both of them agreeing to wanting to move in together, Ashley never follows up on this offer. Oddly enough, nobody ever knows why. On the 4th of July, her uncle Keith has a birthday party and Ashley attends. Nothing out of the blue, this happens every year and she always goes. The party always involves tons of friends, family, and children, and it's noted though that Ashley attends this party without her mother or any of her half-siblings. She pretty much just walks up on her own to this party. Okay. Her grandma Linda was at the party and she recalls that that day Ashley seemed very down and kind of lonely at the party. and. Her grandma says that she told her, you know, it's really hot outside today. Why don't you go get in the pool with everyone else? And she gave her a big t-shirt to change into. And she got in the pool with the other kids and started to play and have fun. Then she gets out, eats and dries off before going to speak to her uncle. Her uncle says she stayed about three hours and then gave him a hug, said, I love you. And told him that she was going to her Aunt Christina's house. After not hearing from Ashley for two days, Jennifer starts to get worried. After not hearing from Ashley for two days, Jennifer got worried and called Ashley's uncle Kevin because she was known to stay with him very often. Kevin says that he hasn't seen her since the day she left for the party, but he does go on to tell Jennifer that the two had gotten into an argument. Kevin says Ashley was engaging in some family gossip on her phone and he asked her to stop because he just did not agree with the family gossiping. Ashley blew off his request, you know, as teenagers will. True. And at this point, he says he got really angry and took her phone. And it was one of the old flip phones, so you could just snap the thing like a twig. This is true. You know? It wasn't like you gotta violently throw it down like you do now and crack the glass. <laughs> I mean, a flip phone, you just... Yeah, this is true. You just snap it. There you go. Very easily. Depending on the brand, sometimes with one hand... You would know. I would. As a result, now Ashley nor her mom have an easy way to get in contact with one another. Smart idea. But, I mean, it's one of those things that at the time it seems harmless. Jennifer continues to call around, but no one has seen Ashley. Her mom then just decides to go file a missing persons report at this point. On the Investigation Discovery episode covering Ashley's disappearance, it is mentioned that because of her behavior bouncing from relative to relative and nobody really knowing where she was for sure at any given time and the constant fighting with her mom, Ashley was treated as a runaway at first. Ashley's family, however, was adamant that she was just not one to abandon her family. She loved them all and was very close to them despite any arguments or whatever they may have gotten in. That's family. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta blow up every now and then because that's just family. And at least it's an Italian family, but it's a family. <laughs> and if her family is this super close, that mm -hmm. it's just natural for them yeah. to have her there one day and her at her grandma's the next. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not a runaway. It's just how they operate. Exactly. And and families like that, you're gonna be in each other's business. 
and you're going to think that 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 relative wants your opinion all the time. So there's going to be spits and spats all the time. I mean, it's just it's close family. It's definitely not enough for her to be labeled as a runaway. No, I mean in two days. Two days. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't understand the runaway. I really don't. Runaway is when she willingly up and left. Right. Missing persons is when they are believing that you are not leaving against your own will. Right. Yeah. I mean that makes sense, but. But if she ran away, she's still out there alone at 14 years old. Hello. It's not like she's an 18-year-old runaway. Yeah. Which is still a kid, but... Yeah. You know? It's an adult kid. Yeah. But she's still a minor. She should have been a missing person, not a runaway. And even at that, they should have been kicking butt to find this kid. You know that, that window that you missed, that 48 hours, is your most crucial. That's why there's so many shows entitled The First 48. Yeah. 48 hours. <laughs> That's how I know it. Hello. Not because I'm in law enforcement or just genuinely brilliant, but... If you watch Investigation Discovery for more than five seconds, you will see so many shows talking about 48 hours into a case. Yeah. It's just common knowledge. Yeah. The trail gets cold. It does. And with no real help coming from law enforcement, her family begins to scour her MySpace page, reading through every comment, hoping to find something to give them a clue as to where she might be. But Ashley had not been in contact with anyone, even her boyfriend. Within 24 hours, the whole family had come together to start searching the areas close by and putting up missing persons flyers. Thinking she had probably just run off and was with her boyfriend, Gene, instead of directly confronting him, Ashley's family just puts up flyers in the area where he lives, thinking Ashley's going to see this, know everyone's upset and worried, and she's going to come home. But then something strange happens. The next day, all the flyers are gone. Someone had ripped them down less than 24 hours after they had been put up. Oh, yeah, so runaway. No, that's totally missing. And she's right there in that area. You got to get in there and beat down doors. You got to find this little girl. Mm-hmm. Cleveland PD then reaches out to Ashley's boyfriend, 16-year-old Gene. Oh, he's full grown. <laughs> it is said he was interviewed more than once, and no one knows what was said during these interviews. Ashley's best friend and even some of her family have personally asked Gene if he knew anything, despite being asked several times by several different people if he knew anything about where Ashley was. He always said the same thing. He didn't know anything. Gene was eventually ruled out as even being a possibility of being connected to her case because he wasn't even in town when she went missing. But Gene does recall the last time he saw Ashley. Gene says the last time he saw Ashley was a few days before the 4th of July when he and his dad dropped her off at her uncle Kevin's house. Gene says he remembers watching Ashley walk inside the home because it's his last memory of her. Ashley's mom got desperate as weeks passed, and then one day she gets a call from a blocked number. Jennifer was shocked when she got a call from who she believed was her daughter. Jennifer says the girl on the other end of the phone took one deep breath, and she says, It's me, Mom. I'm okay. Don't worry. It was a really fast call, her mom says. Too fast to even ask her anything or even really be able to say her name. The call was so fast, in fact, that it left Jennifer wondering if it was even really Ashley because why would her daughter call and hang up that quick? Why would she do that to her? Why would she do that to her own mother? 
These are the questions that Jennifer just couldn't make sense of, but still a piece of her held on to the hope that that girl on the other end of the phone was her daughter. In November of 2007, in November of 2007, Ashley's step-grandmother says she was driving in her car when she spotted Ashley on West 44th Street. According to the grandmother, Ashley had cut her hair short and dyed it blonde. By the time she turned the car around, Ashley was gone. This matched tips they had gotten saying that Ashley had in fact cut and dyed her hair. Things start to change in May of 2008 when her case catches the attention of the FBI Cleveland Division thanks to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The FBI was already on alert because Ashley was just one of several young girls to go missing from the same west side working class neighborhood in Cleveland, Ohio. Ashley's disappearance set them on red alert. This was right about three to four years after Georgina de Jesus and Amanda Berry went missing. Two of the three women found in 2013 being held captive in a Cleveland home by Ariel Castro. And the similarities were striking between the three girls. They were all close to their families. They had all even attended the same school, although at different times. And they all disappeared from the same neighborhood area in West Cleveland. On May 6, 2013, Amanda Berry and Georgina de Jesus, along with one other woman, were found, and they had been held captive. Ashley had been looked at as possibly being connected to these two girls, so her family wondered, could that third unidentified woman in the house be Ashley? It was soon found out that the third woman was Michelle Knight. While feeling relieved for those three women and happy that they were safe, it was heartbreaking that Ashley was not found. Eventually, the FBI would decide that she had no connection to Castro. Then again in 2015, a strong lead would come for the FBI. A city councilman reached out to Ashley's step-grandmother and told her that an ATM image of a woman in Rhode Island looked exactly like Ashley. Wow. The woman in the car also had a man with her. Rhode Island police said they thought the woman at the ATM was committing identity fraud because they had no idea of who she could be. The FBI put photos of the ATM image all over and even on billboards going up and down the eastern seaboard. Ashley's case began to get more and more media attention than ever before. Her case even made it onto an episode of Dr. Phil where he had facial recognition specialists analyze a photo of Ashley and a photo from the ATM. The facial analysis specialist gave an estimate of about an 80% chance that the woman in the ATM photo was Ashley. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children even began releasing videos aimed at getting the attention of tattoo artists because of the tattoo she had gotten with Jean's name on it. The tattoo is very distinctive, so if she had gone and gotten it covered up or even gone and gotten more tattoos, maybe the artist would have remembered seeing it. Meanwhile, the man she got the tattoo for at this point in time had been in and out of jail for charges for robbery and drug possession beginning 14 months after Ashley went missing. Jean said that Ashley's disappearance and the investigation that followed caused him emotional damage. And the only resolution he could think of was robbery and drug possession and things he knew he was going to get in jail for. I guess so. Was he looking for free counseling? Come on. Seriously? No. Mm -mm. That was your choice, son. But still to this day, he remains constant that he had nothing to do with her disappearance, nor does he know where she is. 
In July of 2015, the FBI finally learns the ID of the woman in the ATM photo. The woman was not Ashley. That is so heartbreaking. I know. And it's just terrible to have that hope and have it taken away again. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so for her parents. I mean, her mom and her her family. and, And it's just heartbreaking. July of 2017 came and marked the 10-year anniversary of Ashley's disappearance. Authorities believe Ashley left of her own accord, but she hasn't been seen or heard from since 2007. And it's possible that she's being held against her will. Her case remains unsolved. Anyone with information on Ashley Summers can call the FBI at 216-522-1400. Tips on missing persons can be emailed to the police at Help find the missing at city.cleveland.oh.us or called in at 216-664-4477. You can also check the department's missing persons website for updates. And since this is kind of still a developing story, if there are any updates, we will definitely do an episode updating you guys as well. Because we are still hopeful that Ashley can be found. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of If I Go Missing. If you have any case suggestions, you can email me at the Megan Noel. That's the M-E-G-A-N-N-O-E-L at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at the Megan Noel or the podcast Instagram at Megan Noel Podcast. You can also go to Facebook and find the page for Megan Noel Podcast and all the discussion groups for the various podcasts that we host. This episode was compiled by me, hosted by me, and co-hosted by Linda Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again next week.